AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Sellers came back to the corn and soy complex markets with mixed price action in wheat futures. Cotton futures traded to the highest level since August 2022. The cattle complex was mixed and lean hog futures finally found enough buying interest to hold on to moderate gains. Live! Hey, from Joe Pesci Day, huh? Hey, oh, hey. <laughs> Be a Farm Journal broadcast. This is AgriTalk. This afternoon, it's a conversation with Jody Lawrence from Strategic Trading Partners. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chef Flory. So you think you're funny? What makes so how me are funny, you funny to you? I'm a clown to you what now. Makes I'm you here funny? to amuse you. Is today Joe Pesci Day? Why is today Joe Pesci Day? Born in 1943, today Mr. Joe wow. Pesci turns 81 years old. 81. You know, I'm a big, big fan of Goodfellas. Casino, I felt like, was a little bit long, but but another yeah. great gangster flick. And apparently uh, Mr. Pesci was in some sort of Christmas film. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. My cousin Vinny. I, don't, my I cousin was going to say, let's not forget my cousin Vinny. That's right. That's right. Yes. That suit better be made out of some kind of cloth. <laughs> outstanding outstanding you know how i know how that train came through <laughs> wow welcome welcome to agritalk i'm chip that is davis hey. and happy birthday to joe pesci happy birthday love it love it yeah Okay, uh, well, if that's all you got, should we just... No, we got a lot of ground to cover. We've got Jody Lawrence standing by. He's going to be on here uh, in, the, in in about 10 minutes, and we will mm-hmm. take a look at what, uh, what Jody's got on his mind in these markets. He put together a great list of things that he would like to discuss today. So we, uh, we, we've got plenty, plenty to talk about, no question about yeah. that. Uh, we were... You and Joe and I were having Big Apple Joe. We're having a strategy meeting earlier today, talking about future guests. You know, coming up. And I was going back through my my little notebook of notes here. And as it happened earlier this morning when we were talking, I had I had a note in big letters: Jody Lawrence, great guest, double exclamation point. I don't know wow. what happened last time Jody was on. Well. You know, Jody, uh, hopefully he's probably listening right now. Uh, just so you know, Davis is the one that is setting the bar as high as it has been set now. <laughs> I'm setting the bar at Joe Pesci. And go. <laughs> and go. Let's get to the markets. Well, Chip, March, soft red winter wheat futures have traded on both sides of 6 bucks 13 times in the past three weeks. Spot month SRW futures are tethered to six bucks with extended support to the January 18 low of 573 and a quarter. March SRW futures opened higher and traded through resistance at yesterday's high before pulling back to close mid range. Tighter than expected Canadian wheat stocks and the slight uptick in estimated U.S. wheat carryover were featured headlines in the market this week. Also, Chip, Ukrainian ag officials expect seedings of spring crops 
to be about equal to last year. Yeah. March HRW wheat futures were a half cent higher at 601 and a half. March SRW wheat uh, up eight and one quarter to 596 and three quarters. March spring wheat closed at 684 and a quarter, up a half cent, Chip. Yeah, every time, every time we think there might be some shred of support coming out of Ukraine, out of the Black Sea region, we get something that just kind of completely offsets it, right? Mm-hmm. The ability of the Ukrainian producer to to seed as many acres as what they did a year ago in the situation that they are faced with, I think it's, it's uh, pretty remarkable that they are able to do that. Yeah. On the week, March SRW wheat futures down just three cents. March HRW wheat futures down 23 and one half cents. And March spring wheat futures down 15 and a half. Chip March corn futures opened slightly lower today, then rallied to test resistance at yesterday's high, then fell to a new contract low and to close near the low of the day. March corn ended the week with three consecutive new contract lows as the market built downside momentum. Corn traders are watching developments of the Brazilian corn crop very closely. USDA yesterday estimated the Brazilian corn crop at 124 million metric tons, down 3 million from January, but still well above private crop estimates. Improved growing conditions in Argentina are also limiting buying in corn futures. March corn futures were four and one quarter cents lower, 429. May corn down three and a half cents, 441 and a half. July closed at 450 and three quarter. Down three and one quarter cents, Chip. Right, and I believe no change in the Argentine corn crop estimate. Uh, yeah, I got it right in front of me. Fifty-five million metric tons. So mm-hmm. no change there. So it's not like we're really moving bushels around in South America, but a lot of the estimates on the Brazilian corn crop are anywhere from seven to even ten million metric tons smaller than what we got from USDA in the supply and demand report yesterday. So mm. got to keep that in mind. March corn on the week down 13 and three quarter cents. July corn down 11 and three quarter cents. March bean futures posted an inside trading day with a high range open and a low range close chip. Today's losses erased yesterday's gains and today's close the lowest since June 7. Brazilian consulting firm Safras and Mercado today estimated the bean crop at just over 149 million metric tons. That compares to USDA's estimate of 156 billion released yesterday. The soybean oil market rallied sharply this week, but after four consecutive higher closes to start the week, the market pushed lower on a downside correction today, and that weighed on soybean prices. March beans a dime lower today, 11.83 and a half. May beans down nine and three quarter cents to eleven ninety. July closed at eleven ninety nine and three quarters, down nine uh, nine and a half cents for the SAS close chip. Yeah, yeah, the the momentum does yeah. seem to be building to the downside here, no question about it. And and we will the I think the trade today showed some of the frustration that I expected yesterday with USDA's estimate there at one hundred and fifty six million metric tons on the week. Mm-hmm. March beans down a nickel. That was it. July beans down uh, up 15 cents. Some wow. crazy spread movement there. Yeah. And let's talk the new crop contracts here real quick. Dees corn all closed today at 468 and a quarter. That was down eight and a half cents on the week. November soybeans the, it closed at 1163 and three quarters. That was down seven and a quarter on the week. The bean corn price ratio 2.49 to one. 
Cotton futures caught a cocoa wave in the soft commodities and traded sharply higher. March cotton 268 points higher at 91.78. Chip, big move on the week, up 467 points. Wow. Well, on your livestock's fat cattle futures have been waiting for direction from the cash market this week, and cash trade has been slow to develop. April live cattle were 15 cents higher, 186.72 and a half. June futures firmed 25 cents to 183.97 and a half, and March feeders 30 cents higher, 247.15. Moving on to the hogs, lean hog futures finally got a higher close this week, but the contract posted a low range open and a low range close after testing resistance at 82.50. April hogs 80 cents higher, 81.15. The June yeah. contract up twelve and one half cents, ninety five bucks on the snout chip. Yeah, solid gains in lean hog futures today in that in that uh, April contract, but way 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 off con- uh, off the session highs. That really didn't help it out too much on the week. April live cattle up two dollars ninety seven and one half cents. March feeder cattle up two dollars thirty five cents. April lean hog futures today was the only day higher. So on the week, down $2.67 and one-half cents. All right. Hey, when we come back, we're going to get into a conversation. We've got Jody Lawrence from Strategic Trading Advisors here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. We don't make the news, we render it. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk on this Friday afternoon. We're heading into the weekend, Super Bowl weekend. Uh, Davis, I do have to ask, and and I was encouraged to ask by a few listeners, if you are sticking with your projected score of a 3 nothing. Uh, Chiefs victory over the 49ers. Well, okay, I will answer that question, but okay. I have no money on the score. Right. So, right. yeah, I, I'm free to stick with it. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. Because I, I only gamble with money I'm not afraid to lose is the thing. I learned that sure. lesson the hard way. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, yeah, we're we're kind of, like, afraid of losing any of that money, right? Any. At this point, I get it. yes, I get it. I want. I would just assume keep it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly. I hear you. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Yeah, it, it, still three nothing. Wow, well, three nothing. No, and you know maybe that that leans too hard into number seven. But man, I got high hopes for the field goal <laughs> kicker. You know, I feel like if I would, if I'd been a pro football player, I'd have been a kicker. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like those yeah. guys oh, understand me. They okay. get me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. You know, by the way, absolutely. You know, Davis. 
mm-hmm. Davis, I, I think you're probably right. <laughs> I'll just like leave it at that. Oh, oh. I'll just leave it at that. My favorite Bears uh, from the 80s was Butler. Oh, wow. Of course. Yeah. See? Of course. With the single wow. helmet thing. Now, wait. Butler thought he was a lineman. Well, yeah. That's right. The way he'd bang his helmet into yep. those linemen's heads. For Man, sure. that was crazy. No fear, baby. No fear. Jody Lawrence, Strategic Trading Advisors, is our guest analyst today. Jody, welcome to AgriTalk, man. How are you? I'm good, Chip. It's great to be back. I appreciate uh, the uh, fact that uh, I'm honored to be here on Joe Pesci's birthday. That is, uh, (laughs) this this clearly may be the highlight of my career. (laughs) A lot of gravitas on the show today. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Love it. So what are you thinking on the game? Uh, I'm going 38-34, the Swifties. Wow. 38-34. I threw out a 31-24, Niners. So we'll see. We'll see. The Swifties going with the the good luck charm all the way. I love it. Love it. Uh, We had the USDA reports out yesterday, Jody. Was there anything in those reports? We we saw the the big cut to the soybean export estimate. What else in the in the South American estimates? What what caught your attention? And it just has to be the disparity between Conab and the USDA. And I know that you have a lot of uh, you know. People from the USDA, WASD, uh, that that listen, that come in, you know, and speak, uh, have been guests from time to time. Uh-huh. But it's incredibly frustrating to me that you have that kind of discrepancy. We're telling somebody else how big their crop is or how yep. small their crop is, because yep. I, you know, if if you take everybody at face value, Conab has no more money. Excuse me. That's no more reason to, you know, try to, uh, you know, fudge the numbers one way or the other than the right. USDA would or any other government agency. And to me, that's, you know, had the USDA uh, adopted, you know, earlier. And I realized that they're, you know, they're kind of MO always has been, except for maybe 2012, that they're going to be very deliberate on taking, you know, cutting uh yields uh, when the situation arises but it just you know kind of the implied arrogance that oh well we know more than you do even though it's your crop and it's in your backyard so this is what we're going to put out that moves that moves the market uh and i think it's i think it's unfair to everybody who uh is in the soybean market that uh, th- that that disparity exists because I, I know that the USDA ends up being the number that uh, is you know mostly traded by everybody. Oh sure, absolutely. And I did see a bit of conversation with Chief Economist Seth Meyer uh, that that was circulating yesterday, and I do have to go back and take a look at this Brazil. The uh, yeah, they put two million ton onto the 2022-23 crop, and it's because of uh, more acres harvested on the 22 crop. So they are basing their acreage expansion for the 23-24, 
the crops that's growing now off a bigger number now. Well, it, I, I understand that, and I understand that line of, of thinking. But at the same time, Jody, you are exactly right. You got people from Konab on the ground down there. You got people from Safrasi Mercado on the ground down there. You got people from Agrural on the ground down there that are all under 150 million metric tons. And USDA is sticking at a 156. It's and uh, we're and the USDA is still five uh, five million metric tons, give or take a, a bushel or two, uh, above last year's yeah. uh, number from Conab. So you're you know, gosh, you've pushed your way out to just call it an even ten million bushels or ten million metric tons. So that's three hundred sixty-seven million yeah. bushels of beans. That's yeah. uh, uh, financially significant to maybe a buck, buck and a half. Uh, for everybody who has beans all across the world. So that, yeah. that, that to me is a discrepancy that has, it has to either be more transparent, better explained, yeah. or at least somebody cut, you know, at least somebody come together and, and just defer to Conab and say, we're going to listen to them. Uh, even if we don't agree with them, but that's good grief in six weeks, their crop will be, uh, almost entirely harvested. harvested. We'll know what the number is. Right. Right. Yeah. You would think, you know, we talk about convergence in the markets all the time between cash and futures. You would think there would be some convergence between the USDA numbers and the CONAB numbers. And we got wider yesterday on the old crop. So it it is a, it, it is a bit baffling. There There's no question about it. And, you know, the yield argument or the yield discussion debate, it's not just over South American. It, 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 the, the debate and the conversation is, is happening on the U.S. crops from, from last year, too, isn't it? And absolutely, because you go back and look at the January number uh, on corn that they raised it, the second highest total between the November and the January uh, up to 177.3, which I, you know, I've already done, I guess, 25 meetings probably since harvest. I did, you know, uh, 19 of them just in January. And I, the point that I make talking to all the farmers is if I'd have called you June 30th and said, okay, corn's going to hit 625, I need you to sell everything because your crop is about to be record. Yeah. Nobody would have ever invited me back. You'd have been the only person who would have had me back for one show. <laughs> and then you would have, Davis would have uh, lowered his estimation of what, uh, of how good of a guest I was. <laughs> Love it. Love Adjustments it. So I, I, I maintain flexibility. I'll be honest, Jody. Okay, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, when uh, when I heard you, you say that earlier, I was like, good grief, he's never talked to my mother-in-law. <laughs> Nor do I care to, sir. Nor do I care to. <laughs> okay, well, that, that, okay. Uh, thank you for clarification. I ah, love uh, it. Love it. What but, else yeah, you learn at, at those meetings? And just learning that uh, when you look at the inconsistency of the weather across – 
of the Corn Belt. And there are certainly, there are always going to be pockets that are, you know, Garden of Eden perfect. Yeah. Uh, Central Illinois certainly hit that. A lot of Northwest Ohio, uh, Northeast Indiana had some really, really great growing conditions. But just the fact that uh, I, I talked to one uh, of uh, somebody that I work with in Minnesota, he won a yield contest uh, with a third of his normal rain and it was 300 plus bushel corn. Yeah. And I, I talked to, uh, especially Eastern Nebraska, cause we thought that was where yeah. over, you know, over the last couple of years, they've certainly been, uh, had their issues, but we had, uh, you know, people on four inches of rain raised 200 bushel dry land. And that to me is the amazing part, just the lack of rain that fell and these tremendous yields. And it makes you wonder two things. And one of them, I don't know if you've had a guest on yet about this. One of them is all the uh, wildfire smoke from Canada right. that made those uh, days a little bit cooler. And what was in that smoke that allowed this crop to achieve this? Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. I've asked the question, Jody, and wondered out loud on the show, but I've, I have not had anybody on to talk about it. It's a great question. Great question. We're going to keep the conversation going with Jody Lawrence, Strategic Trading Advisors, next. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes. Where March hard red winter wheat futures were a half cent higher at 601 and one half. March SRW wheat up eight and one quarter cents to 596 and three quarters. On the corn side, March corn futures four and one quarter cents lower, four twenty nine. May down three and a half, four forty one and one half. March soybean futures a dime lower, eleven eighty three and one half. May beans down nine and three quarter cents to eleven ninety. March cotton two hundred sixty eight points higher today, ninety one seventy eight. On your livestock, April fat cattle were fifteen cents higher, one eighty six seventy two and a half. March feeders thirty cents higher, two forty seven fifteen. April lean hog features 80 cents higher, 81.15. June contract up 12.5 to 95. Even get more market news every market day. Go to tryprofarmer.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. 
Welcome back. We are in the middle of a conversation with Jody Lawrence, Strategic Trading Advisors. Jody, so the conversation that we were having there at the end of the last segment about yields, uh, you know, kind of showing off in some areas that didn't have a whole lot of rain, we were talking about some surprisingly big yields. I've got to balance that with what I've been told was one of the busiest years from uh, for uh, crop insurance claims adjusters. You know, it, so there were some poor yields out there. There's no question about that. But how does what you witnessed, I guess, last year as this crop was developing, how does that influence your thinking for the upcoming growing season? Well, it certainly has an impact because it, it's, it's a kind of a sobering fact because the one thing that when you're marketing just the seasonality of it, you know, when you expect rallies, good times to sell, when there is, you know, concern and insecurity in the market, when you've got a bunch of unknowns, we're getting to the point now where as quickly as the U.S. crop can get planted because of the the technological advances and the huge planters and what they can do, that the uh, slow planting, the wet planting outside of a year like uh, I think it was 2018 when we had somebody to prevent plant, but Uh, those types of rallies uh, are going to be further, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, fewer and further between. So as you kind of move down the scale, you move into the, uh, the bigger question. And, and I've asked a bunch of people and we've certainly had some, uh, some great, uh, bar side debate over this after the meetings is as the industry turned a corner where we're in a position that, you know, we've finally gotten that breakthrough that all of the seed companies and all of the, you know, the really smart scientists that put the new genetics in the seed, mm-hmm. have we, you know, turned, made a turn that unless it's just severely hot and dry, everything that we put in the ground now is much more, uh, you know, heat tolerant, drought tolerant, where we're going to continue to get higher consistency of yields, even if we have weather like we did last year. Yeah. Yeah. The likelihood of a crop failure seems to be shrinking on a, on an annual basis because of what you, you were talking about there. Uh, Which means Jody, we got to look over at the demand side of things then. And you see kind of an unimpressive export picture because of the expansion of the the Brazilian export program, we, we, we've got to find some domestic demand that is going to chew through more of the crop that we're producing. And it feels like we've got to look back at the biofuels market again. I was down at top producer summit earlier this week, Jody, and boy, sustainable aviation fuel is the conversation that everybody wants to have. And I think rightfully so, because we were uh, with our friends at Helena up in kind of the Peru, LaSalle, uh, north central Illinois. 
uh-huh. area last week, and we drove down to the Hennepin site. They're mm-hmm. putting in a bio-crush facility, going to be out in a couple weeks at Norfolk, Nebraska, and they're building a couple oh, others kind of in a triangle uh, around Lincoln, Omaha, a little bit north of there, Fremont, that you look at the potential of where the SAF could be heading and what I'm liking it to when, uh, you know, try, try to give everybody a big picture of this. Let's think about where we were 20 years ago with the ethanol industry. Yep. It was, okay, red hot. Everybody wanted uh, new investors in these plants. But I can also remember the first year that the USDA said that we were going to use a billion bushels of corn for the ethanol program. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, wow, what an achievement that is. And now, even though the industry is very mature, you're looking at this year, we're going to use 5.2, 5.3 billion bushels of corn. So a little over 33% of a record crop. And if you go from where bean demand is for renewable biodiesel now, and you get all of these plants, you know, you're heading towards 30 if you continue to chip away at, uh, you know, getting approval from the EPA and local zoning and things like that, that by a harvest of 25, and I'd say certainly no later than harvest of 26, you could have, you know, uh, you know maybe seven or eight X demand for bean crush wow. than we do now. And what I'm math that I'm doing for everybody, I'm trying to take a really conservative outlook is that if you have 30 plants that need 50,000 bushels a day and operate for 300 days a year to, you know, be kind of at capacity so that they can do maintenance, all of a sudden you need an extra 500 million bushels worth of beans. And that's the very conservative estimate from people I've talked to investors uh, and people who are promoting these plants that how where where are those acres going to come from yeah. because the when the IRS shut the loophole that we can't import beans or bean oil for those uh, plants to get the tax credit right. all of a sudden they have to be domestic which is fantastic but last year we planted 83 million acres worth of beans do you think that the corn market uh, would get a little angry if all of a sudden we took seven, eight million acres away from corn and it went to beans within the next three years. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm looking at because you look back historically, the United States has a real challenge just logistically because we're certainly not Brazil where we can just go plow down the rainforest to get more acres that we're going to plant 178 million acres of corn and beans combined, give or take a few every year. And you figure out how that balance works. If we need to plant 92 million acres of beans, you know, three years from now, because 85 million acres of corn won't cut it right. to even make, you know, minimum demand. Right. You know, this story that, that, and, and, I, you know what? I hate to call it a story. This analysis that you just went through, um, it's something that has been developing for a couple of years. And it feels to me, Jody, that there are some of the market that are just, they've grown tired of waiting for it to happen when the timeline was very, very 
well explained two, three years ago that that it was really a 25-26 marketing year is is when this really kicks in, right? And everything that I've read and every person I've talked to that I trust isn't just talking their position. Uh, yeah, that's what they've said. But you look at just the, you know, how big it was for the facility that just got final approval in California a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. When you start having plants and that one's going to need 110,000 bushels of beans a day. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, this and that's why I think we have a perfect example in our lifetime of if you dismissed the ethanol program 20 years ago. Right. Pay attention. Uh, you should pay attention. And the reason there are two things, if the IRS approved it and, you know, all all the hurdles you had to get to to get to this point. But when you look at some of the initial investors in this were the BPs and the Exxons of the world that were trying to crush ethanol. Now they're trying to promote SAF. You've got a whole different level of money and commitment to seeing this program work. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's that uh, private industry money that has come in that that gives me confidence, I guess, that that this whole effort has got some some legs. What does this all mean to your marketing strategies on 24 crop right now, Jody? Well, I was afraid you were going to ask me about corn. And after Davis read all of those closes and, you know, corn making new two and a half years lows, I was hoping we could talk about cocoa or orange juice or cattle <laughs> or cotton. cotton <laughs> you know, any like that. market that is, 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 is heading up. But, uh, it, well, it's certainly something, you know, nobody can have unlimited patience until this takes off because yeah. as soon as somebody, you know, if you have that much money to have that much pace, patience to wait to sell your bean crop for three years, congratulations, right. first of all. But, but it really does keep it in the back of my mind that when this uh, discussion, uh, argument, whatever you want to call it, really comes to light about this time next year, when we're talking about 25 acreage intentions, mm-hmm. how many have opened since then? This is, I'm going to be very leery about selling 25 crop this year until I know more about this, unless we have a fairly significant weather problem, you know, and we can get 550 uh, December 25 corn, uh, you know, $14 November 25 beans. That That's really how this is going to impact me uh, over the course of the next 12 months is that I'm probably going to really be tight-fisted with my 25 crop until I see this. Gotcha. Gotcha. 24 crop has still got enough supply side concerns and not, and you know, and quite frankly, not enough demand that if you do get a rally on the 24 crop, you still got to be looking to sell into that rally. I, I, I still yeah, think that's I, it, the case. Any 30, 35 cent rally yeah, in corn, yeah. even though it's just going to get us back to where we were. Uh, you know, the corn market has its set of challenges, and the biggest yep. one is probably that the U.S. farmer still has 15 billion bushels to sell, so the funds yep. aren't scared. Yep. Put more exclamation points behind his name, Davis. He did a great job. Jody Lawrence, Strategic Trading Advisor. 
From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Feels like a Friday. Chip, your thoughts. It's Friday. Woohoo! You've had a big week of travel this week again. Yeah, yeah, coming up. The week ahead, we're going to be down at the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday and Thursday, on Wednesday for the PM show, we will be at Great Plains. Okay. Looking forward to uh, getting together with the people at Great Plains. And then on Thursday morning for the AM show, which don't forget, we're going to be on Eastern time. So that's 11 to noon Eastern. Uh, we will be at Case IH for uh, the morning show on okay. Thursday. Okay. Yeah. Will I still like read the news at the same time though? Yeah, uh, yeah, you will, you uh, will. Uh, it, it's okay. it's just something that we're going to have to deal with. But we won't be on the same time. But yeah. I'm looking forward to we'll sleeping that extra hour that morning, right? No, I wouldn't no? do that if I were you. No, no, I'd, I'd stick to your schedule. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Consistency. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Right. Right. I got it. I got it. Um, Joe Pesci's birthday today. You know, we were talking about different <laughs> movies and stuff. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I would love to be able to quote Raging Bull. I, I don't think there's there's a single line from that movie that I can quote, but that's also another good one. And it got me to thinking about some of the uh, the acclaimed black and white films over the years. Yeah. Uh, the wife, who's who's a bit of a film buff, said, "You know, oh, okay, you've never seen. Uh, I've I, I'd never seen Citizen Kane. Apparently, no. the best movie ever made. Have you seen Citizen Kane?" Orson Welles from like the forties or something like that. Yes, yes, I've seen it, but it's. I hated it, dude. It's been so, 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 so long ago. Don't bother. It's terrible. Oh, jeez. Awful. Come on. Best movie ever made. Come on. I mean, you think people have never seen Anchorman? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about a perfect film? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You know, most of the people that think that Anchorman is the best movie ever are right mm-hmm. 60% of the time. <laughs> 60% of the time, sure. 60%. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 60% of the time, they're right all the time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in other news, uh, Jody Lawrence maintains yeah. his double exclamation point guest status, yeah. I should say. Um, interesting conversation about that disparity between CONAB and USDA's numbers. Yep. on some of the South American crops there. And he did a really great job. The two of you really talked through that really well. Um, but I did think that was an 
an, an interesting thought. And and my thought was, well, are we supposed to just sort of defer to them? Um, but man, he made a good point that they're the guys with boots on the ground. Right. I don't know right. what to do with that. Yeah. And then I then I listed off three other private individuals. Safferson Mercado, uh, the other Agraral, yeah. Right. And one that I did not include in that conversation is Dr. Michael Cordonier. That's right. Uh, he's been doing it for a long time down there. And I think based on the, the, the Twitter conversation that I saw a bit of today, mm-hmm. it was a crazy busy time between shows today uh but but based on that bit of a conversation it's it's the acreage uh Uh, that mm -hmm. that usda thinks they may have a better handle on than anybody else and if the expansion was that much more significant in other words it should it, the, the initial estimate shouldn't have been 163. Maybe they should have been a 168. Maybe they okay. should have been a 170 mm-hmm. on the initial estimates because of the total acres planted to beans. Yeah. So now instead of pushing a 170, we're at 156. You know, it it I you know I'm making up numbers as I say that. By sure, the way, yeah. don't these don't, are hypothetical. Yeah, don't take don't go to the anywhere and say well chip said that usda was thinking it's 170 that's not what i'm saying i'm theorizing on this mm-hmm. and but it's but the bottom line is it, it's the area that uh yeah that's where the difference comes in yeah uh well and they're uh, and like they're jody pre- said davis like jody said mm-hmm. you know when they if if they want more area they just get more area. That's what I was going to say. Is they the clear more for ground. Yeah. Yep. Man. Yeah. Uh, just one other key point here, and I want to make sure that I heard this right, but I'm pretty sure Jody said, if you miss the ethanol boom, there may be a second chance here. Whole different level of financing here coming in uh, if we're talking about SAF. Yeah. Yeah. Um when the ethanol industry was built, and you know this is one of the reasons that I am such a staunch defender of the RFS, mm-hmm. is it was built with farmer investment. Um, they farmers invested in their future, and some of the some of the plants worked right out the gate. Some of them did not. Some of them are turning out, still turning out dividends today. Some mm-hmm. of them were sold for twenty cents, fifteen cents on the dollar. Yep. Uh, so, like Jody said, we're talking about a mature industry now. I like We've that. We've kind of got that figured out, but the question now is, where is the investment money coming from for the sustainable aviation fuel? for the renewable diesel uh, production. And when you look at the private industry money that is coming in, I made this point several times down at at Kansas City talking about SAF. It was the final point that I left the audience with uh, after uh, the the U.S. Farm Report taping is, 
you follow the money on this one. Yeah. Follow the money and look at the investment that has been made and then figure it out. So, yeah. uh, National Weather Service 6 10 day outlook for February 15th through the 19th. Above normal temperatures, Wisconsin, Southeast Minnesota, Iowa, Northern Minnesota, Northern Illinois, near normal temperatures for the rest of the Midwest. We've got near normal to below normal precipitation in the Eastern Belt, near to above normal in the Western Belt. Jump out real quick to the 8 to 14 day, February 17th through the 23rd. Above normal temperatures reestablishing in the upper Midwest, and we're pushing those below normal precip areas to the northeast and near normal to above normal in the central and western. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back Monday morning with Machinery Pete right here on Agritalk.